0: Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition. Recorded Wednesday, August 6th, 2014. That's right. I'm back with another interview, and this is the game of crowdfunding, and and uh, we are going to be talking to somebody who has a project right now. If I'm lucky, you're going to get to know about the tail end of it and and go out there and back it if you haven't already, uh, which I would be surprised if you haven't. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, the Kickstarter process in general because this is somebody that has multiple experiences with Kickstarter. Who is joining me on Skype tonight?
1: Hey, it's AJ Porfirio. I'm with uh, Van Rider Games, and we seek to publish very thematic games. Uh, We have two published games, if I'm going down, and Tessin, and a third up on Kickstarter now, as Jeff mentioned, and and we'll talk about that.
0: Yes. Hostage Negotiator is the one that's out there right now, and it's coming close to a close, and this kind of conversation ended up coming about and I want to say it's been a conversation in the making for a while AJ because uh we have mutual friends you and I haven't really crossed a whole lot of paths but we have mutual friends and your name comes up every once in a while and I and I know you've responded to a couple of things that we've done in the past uh like the the uh, series we've done with meltdown games and stuff like that so you're somebody I I've kind of wanted to have a conversation with for a while because I know uh your journey through Kickstarter through kickstarter i guess so i'm kind of looking forward to having this conversation tonight
1: yeah me too i can i guess reiterate everything you just said i mean it's it is surprising we haven't spoken or or met maybe i don't are you going to gen con maybe we can fix that there as far as face-to-face meeting but but uh we'll do it somewhere else
0: unfortunately no gen con for me this year
1: oh bummer okay well I was there last we'll me but I'm glad to be talking with you.
0: I was there last year and unfortunately uh this year uh my fiance has a a fairly uh big vacation plan for us in October and we just bought a house so between those two things Gen Con came off the list.
1: <laughs> understood, understood. Well, you know I, I kind of got a last second um, reprieve, I guess, to be able to go. I wasn't going to be able to go, but uh, I'll be there Thursday through Saturday. So I'm pretty excited.
0: Yeah, I, I wish I was going. In, and of course, now that the word is either subconsciously or consciously out that I'm not going, this is the year that everybody and their brothers like, oh, yeah, we're going to meet at Gen Con this year. I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, we're not.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. It's always, trust me, I was already like preparing myself. How am I going to handle with the withdrawals? <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, again, this is probably going to be a little bit different than we normally do. Not by too much, though, because some of the same stuff that I'm usually curious about, obviously, AJ can kind of answer. And, and he does have a project on right now. So we will, of course, talk about that. Like I said, my, my hope, my goal is to get this out while there is it still maybe a day or two left so if you listen to this right away hit pause go check out the project and uh, come back and and finish the conversation with us but i have a few basic warm-up questions that i like to start with to get the ball rolling and then like i i told you earlier this will just pretty much be a conversation between us about your journey here uh so you ready i'm ready all right. So the first one I usually like to ask is, "What makes you a geek, sir?" Uh-huh. Well,
1: I mean, I, the obvious answer, I guess, would be be my my interest in games and of all types, really. I grew up with games and and uh, played. You know, Dungeons and Dragons was probably one of the first things I did. My mom actually brought home the the red box one day when I was. Gosh, either first or second grade,
0: a fellow dice colorer.
1: (laughs) I mean, I was enthralled with it. It was, you know, I just loved building dungeons and playing the game, and I know I begged any adult that could that could make a dungeon to do to make one for me. Uh, I think I annoyed the heck out of my my uncle when he'd come to visit us, (laughs) and then you know, kind of grew from there, and and you know, got into Magic: The Gathering, and. I didn't realize it at the time, but me and my friends always LARPed in the front yard. Um, I, I don't think a LARP was a term back then, but maybe it was. I don't know, but we did that. And, and, uh, you know, in the comics and in the typical kind of geek culture types of things. So I guess, I guess that answers the question.
0: <laughs> yes. You're, you're a well-rounded geek then. <laughs> Touch yeah, a little bit. One, everything.
1: Thing, one thing that I guess is unique. About, well, maybe not unique, but uncommon is I, I played sports too, and I was, I was a pretty good athlete. I, I, I played minor league baseball for a couple of years and I played in college. And so I'm, I was a jock, I guess. I mean, not in the, this probably the sense of the word that geeks think of, which is not favorable. So I kind of had, I guess, two sides of the coin, so to speak. I mean, I had my, my geek friends and then my athletic friends. And I found that there wasn't a lot (laughs) like me who who kind of loved both worlds. And, and so I just relished in each. So, yeah. So, but I, that, that's all done now. The sports are gone and the geek is in full force. <laughs>
0: All right. So then one of my uh, follow up questions are one we like to, to ask quite a bit. Cause we like to kind of point out that you can really geek out about anything if you're truly passionate about it. Uh, do you have any geek level passions for something that somebody in the quote unquote normal world, uh, would not consider geek related?
1: Oh, geez. I mean, pretty much anything I do, <laughs> I get passionate about. I mean, so much so that. You know, I get yelled at sometimes from the wife uh, for spending too much time on things that I really love. I kind of go and I go in waves. I mean, zombies were a big thing for me for a while. I love zombies. I still do. I got heavy into poker at one point. You know, now it's game design, game publishing and playing games. So just... Whatever, whatever is, uh, my current geek flavor interest, that's what I, that's what I'm kind of really into.
0: (laughs) And then lastly, uh, and, and you can answer this as specific or as general as you want, and you'll understand why when I ask the question here, but I'm assuming that being a publisher and running Van Ryder games is not your full time job. So what do you do for a job besides, uh, publish and design games?
1: So for my day job, I actually do uh, inventory management and I guess parts forecast, forecasting and analytics, really, really which is probably interesting to maybe 0.01% of your audience. Uh, I like to tell people, hey, have you seen the movie Office Space? Yeah, I have a corporate job kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a programming job, but I, I relate a lot to that movie. So, I mean, it's good. It's fine. And and. You know, it pays pretty well and lets me support my family. So, but my passion is definitely, uh, the game design side and the publishing side.
0: And you kind of straddle that, the, the design and the publish side. And that's usually something I'm always curious about with people that come on, especially if they decide to go the self publishing route. And I've had all spectrum. So let me just ask you, I mean, where do you fall? in the spectrum of say the one far end is i don't ever want to touch anything publishing related i just want to design all day to man uh i would give up design and just publish full time because i really love being a publisher so where in that spectrum do you fall
1: yeah that's a that's a great question and and honestly it's shifted for me quite dramatically since i got started sort of designing i mean you know Three or four years ago, I started designing games. I was, well, in the beginning, a hundred zero. I mean, for designing versus publishing. And then when I decided I was, was going to self publish, you know, at that point, I became probably, you know, 80, 20, 70, 30. Fast forward to now and it's essentially reversed. So I'm probably 80 publishing, 20 design, maybe even 90, 10. I don't really have anything as far as the design goes past hostage negotiator of my own, that's anywhere past like an alpha stage. So it's sort of something that's organically developed because I just only have so much time. And, you know, with publishing testing, which was some, you know, cardboard essence design, I did not design that one. And then hostage negotiator has been in development for a while, uh, but now I'm, you know, doing the publishing work for that. Uh, I've signed another game called Salvation Road. So, it's mostly publishing work at this point and, and I'm okay with that because I get my design. I can squench my thirst for design with development work. So, you know, I, I believe strongly in collaborating with the designers we sign and, and I do development and I'll, I'll do some, you know, make some design suggestions that way. So, uh, that's kind of where I'm at, but I do anticipate continuing with hostage negotiator, uh, based on just what looks like it's going to be great demand. So I definitely have abductor packs in the works and that's part of the Kickstarter. But, you know, I'll keep that going as long as I can. So, yeah, I'm about 80-20, I guess, at the moment.
0: Is that by total choice? I mean, are, are you finding yourself at this point really in enjoying the publishing side and, you know, everything that comes with that? And, again, willing to have it be 80-20 because it, it's become sort of a passion that you've, you've kind of walked into, I guess?
1: Yeah, no, I, mean, I do enjoy it. Um, first and foremost, most definitely. Uh, I think what I've found is I really enjoy working with other designers uh, in a, in a publishing capacity. Uh, I feel like I have, let's be honest, I'm a small publisher, but I feel like I have some good guidance and, and advice I can give to designers, whether I sign them or not, you know, when I even when I get submissions and things. And I enjoy that. And I think that, The design community is is such a great community. It's so willing to hear feedback and criticism and ultimately they just want to do better. And so I just really enjoy the, that part, um, just working with great people to make great
0: games. I used to try to design more myself and I've just recently started getting back into it because I'm collaborating with somebody, but I kind of almost kind of what you're talking about where like you were, you were designing and then kind of self-published and then kind of found yourself 8020 in the publishing side. The podcast kind of started taking that piece for me as well. And early on I I maybe kind of bucked against that a little bit, but at some point there was kind of a click moment where I just went, you know, I and kind of what you're saying I I get to talk to a lot of awesome people uh, I get to look at a lot of awesome games. Uh, I still kind of put my design hat on in when I'm doing reviews or like I go to like Prodish events and stuff like that and, and offer feedback. And I just kind of got to the point where I was like, you know what? I, I really am happy and comfortable with where I ended up in the gaming space because of the podcast. And yeah, if something gets in my head and, and, it, and like this collaboration that's going on right now, uh, if, if it clicks, then sure, I, I can still explore that, but I'm, you know, 80, 90% even or 95% almost at times, just like, okay, the podcast is my baby and my creative outlet at this point. So I, I can appreciate the kind of how that came about for you and, 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 uh, kind of figuring out, you know, Hey, I get to work with a lot of great people this way and still kind of get my design itch in from time to time. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I mean, they're both so much work. I mean, it's, honestly, the only way I could see doing both with the proper attention that they both need would be to do it full time. And I'm just, I'm not in a position to do that. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Um But, you know, from a, you know, I have a company and, and the, the success of that company is important to me. So, you know, if I decided to do design rather than publish, I wouldn't be able to, to continue probably with Van Ryder games, which is something I do really want to do. And, and that's why I'm, I'm focusing more on the publishing
0: side. Let me ask you about this. Okay. So you, you know, you've got your, your day job and you've uh, done a little bit in the sports arena there. And, and, and you have already kind of said that, you know, growing up and, and, and through everything, you've kind of always kind of been involved in gaming in one aspect or another. But do you have a moment that sticks out to you or something where that kind of switch went off where you're like, I want to create games?
1: Yeah, so definitely it was four or five years ago. I mean, I've always been in games somewhat, but I was, I was pretty removed from them at that point, just focusing on, you know, we were, we were starting our family and having kids and just not a lot of time for, for extracurriculars at that point. But one Christmas, I was, I don't even know how I came across it, but like I said earlier, I was pretty into zombies and I was like, man, I wonder if there's any cool games. You know, with zombies, you know, not video games, but but board games. And I ran across, you know, Last Night on Earth, which, you know, was the zombie game at that point. And I guess zombies, but for some reason, Last Night on Earth definitely captured my attention more. So I was like, I want that game. And it was around Christmas time. So I kind of asked my wife (laughs) or, or told my wife, hey, you know, here's this would be a great Christmas present for me. I'd love to get it. And so she did and I got it and Christmas, you know, came around and man, it's awesome game. And I opened it and the components and everything looked fantastic. And I'm like, all right, let's play this. And so, you know, her family was in town and, you know, I asked and tried to get someone to play and I met little to no excitement or enthusiasm for that idea. (laughs) So I was kind of bummed. I was like, man, I have this great game, but I don't have anyone to play it with. And I was like, man, you know, if I could play it solitaire, then I'd be fine. Like, you know, I'm 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 an introverted guy, so I don't I have no problems, obviously, uh, playing a game alone. Anyways, I had the genesis in my head of an idea of, you know, why don't I just design a zombie game that I can play solitaire? And so that's when the idea for our first game, if I'm going down, sort of crept into my head and the wheels started spinning and. You know, I was like, okay, you know, let, this could be cool. So I started researching what other zombie games were out there, researching game design, looking up every source on the web I could possibly find. And that's that led me to um, Game Gamecrafter actually and and I was like, Oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> you can anyone can just kind of put together a game and, and print it out. And that was exciting to me. So I set forth on the journey. I didn't start with if I'm going down directly because I wanted to get the process down of designing a game and of using that site to, to produce a game. So even before uh, I really started designing that game hard, I, I created two unknown games basically to only a few, but um, one was called Organized Chaos and was a was a relatively abstract card game where you're essentially trying to run the other players out of their cards. I called it a deck destroying game because deck building was pretty hot at the time. And I was like, well, how can you flip that on its head? And so that was it was a little gimmicky thing, but it was OK. I mean, you can find it on the Geek. It's, you know, there's a few ratings, but nothing special. But I mean, I, you know, I thought it was pretty good for my first effort. And so from there, I did another game for a contest. It was called component Negotiate and had to do with, you're essentially we're trying to collect different components. And that was, that was based on a, a contest of the game crafter at the time. But once I got through those, I was like, okay, I think I got this down enough to, I'm going to give it a shot. And, and I started designing if I'm going down really seriously and did that for at least a, probably six months, a year for sure. Uh, before I went up on Kickstarter the first time.
0: And once again, an area where it's, you know, how our paths haven't crossed is hard to, hard to imagine because. Uh I've been involved with the Game Crafter off and on since about 2009 and I'm a chat moderator over there now.
1: <laughs> oh wow. That's funny. When I first got started I was I was in that chat basically every day. That was a big help. Uh and I you know I don't I don't spend much time there anymore but uh very thankful for when I did and and uh I know it has a great community over there.
0: Yeah, it definitely is a great community, and uh yeah, it was. Uh, in fact, right after last Gen Con, Cyrus Kirby, Father Geek, and and us, we uh, co sponsored with the Game Crafter one of their contests. <laughs> Since you mentioned the contest, we we sponsored one.
1: Oh yeah, awesome. <laughs> I think I I think I recall seeing something like that.
0: Yeah, we did the the micro game contest. So it was, it was uh, okay. one one of our ways to kind of give back to to the the community that we kind of mutually support. <laughs> Sure, sure. You went through designing two different games to kind of get you used to a designing process. So through that did you come up with a design process for yourself that you felt worked, like a a template type thing or is it change every time you start working on a game? For me
1: it's definitely the latter. I've never been known for my for my impeccable organization skills, <laughs> but I do have a method to my madness that I can decipher. <laughs> Uh, if that makes any sense. So yeah, I don't, I don't have you know, written down in a notebook, here's the 10 steps I need to do to to design a game or anything like that. I think I start like anyone else and, and maybe not like anyone else. I I actually tend to try to write rules first. Um, You're
0: one of those few, few people. I actually know somebody else that they're like, I will write my entire rule book first and then go back and do the components and everything else and make sure it works.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's how I, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of a, I guess, written learner, I guess. Like I, getting thoughts down on paper essentially helps me store them in my memory. So, you know, when I think of a game idea, I write it out and I think that helps a lot to sort of speed up the initial process of getting the early design kinks out. So yeah, that's kind of how I've always done it. And then I'll seek feedback and. Get you know tweaks to the rules and the feedback, and then, of course, put the game together uh, in a rough prototype form, and then and then go from there.
0: Okay. So, how prevalent does playtesting uh, get involved for for you, and how soon are are you looking for that if it is prevalent for you?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, it is. I playtest a ton myself, um, and then when I feel like okay, usually. I almost say, you know, I'm not putting it in front of many playtesters until it's in a beta stage usually. And it's probably better to do it earlier than that. Uh, and, and I do it with more, tr- my more trusted circle, I guess, but both of the games that I've designed and are publishing are solitary games. Essentially. Uh, if I'm going down, I can be played with, you know, two players, but it was designed as a solitary game at heart. Uh, so you know, you have the, a bit of an advantage in that you can do a ton of testing yourself, and it's real and valid testing. Not okay. I'm going to play these four different players' actions and see what happens. So I, can, I think I can get a lot farther doing. You know, with that sort of game um, testing on my own. But you know, once it gets to that that beta stage, then I blast it out to tons of people. And hostage negotiator, I'm pretty confident saying. Man, that game has probably been tested between you know at least five hundred times. I don't keep count or anything, but my lead play tester alone's played it over a hundred. I know I've easily played it over that. So just between the two of us, you know, there's been tons of testing, and there's you can never have enough testing. You can also never be fully finished. I guess I should be careful how I say it, but there's always changes that you could make. At some point, you have to really. Think critically about your design and think if the changes are actually impactful to the overall experience. You know, that's, I guess, the best way I can put how how the playtesting process goes for me.
0: And maybe you, you haven't had to deal with this as much because like you said, the, the two, uh, between if I'm going down and hostage negotiator, they're primarily solitary games. Uh hostage negotiator is a solitary game. And if I'm going down is one to two players, like you said, but does your wife have to suffer through early, early tests before the rest of the world sees it?
1: (laughs) Oh man, you just opened up a can of worms. Uh Uh, I've told this story before, I think, on a podcast, and I don't, I don't mind telling it again. But so when I when I was developing, if I'm going down, I you know asked my wife. I said, "Hey, you know, we should play this. You should you should play it with me. Tell me what you think. It'd be great. You know, I really like your your feedback." And she's not a gamer at all. She, I mean, she she games with us, but she's she's definitely more of a casual gamer. Likes the you know likes party games and lighter. Fair games. And so, and not that, I mean, if I'm going down is not super complicated, but she was, I don't remember how many months pregnant at the time, but she was late, you know, probably last trimester in, in, uh, pregnancy with one of our boys. And I'm explaining all the rules and there's a lot of icons. And if I'm going down, I'm telling her what each does and explaining, Hey, here, here are some different things you can do on your turn. I think I just overwhelmed her and she just kind of lost it and like started bawling. And she's like, I feel so bad. I really wanted to play this, but I, uh, she just, it was, it was a pregnancy thing co- combined with, you know, she was probably tired. It was at night. And so I was like, great. I made my wife cry with my game. That's <laughs> just great.
0: <laughs>
1: so, so that's kind of, now it's something we look back and sort of laugh at and, and it's a fun story to tell. But I think she decided at that point, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to the to the lighter games and let AJ do his thing uh with these other things.
0: Yeah, I I, I had to ask because my fiance, as far as I'm concerned, is a saint at this point because uh especially when I was designing heavier. And I've already warned her that once I get a good prototype of this collab up, it's coming back. But uh she's always my first litmus test on getting something from uh, this is kind of crap to okay now it's solid <laughs> and unfortunately she right. she helps me get over that hurdle because she's a casual gamer as well, so uh but she's a a very like analytical thinker and stuff like that too, so you know it's when when I'm doing it and i it, you know the early ones where i always i always explain it as you know in my head. This is, you know, everything's always the most awesome game ever. And there's fireworks and explosions. And there's probably a parade after somebody plays and, and all stuff. And then you get it on the table and you're like, Oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> all right. Let's make this playable. And that's where, she, that's where she helps me out there. And then once it's playable with her is usually when, okay, now it's the outside world can see this. So she's a saint.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't have that and that's okay. I mean, it works fine. We have, you know, other things in common that we enjoy, but, but, uh, yeah, I do have a, a pretty close circle of, of friends in my game group and uh, that give me really great feedback. So I guess, I guess those are more, uh, my folks that, that I would compare to, to something like what you have with your fiance. <laughs> All
0: right. So, you know, uh, if I'm going down was your first Kickstarter and that is the game that you kind of, where did Van Ryder games come in uh, as far as its creation from the, the Kickstarter and, and the company kind of coinciding where, where's the timeline on that?
1: Yeah. So uh, Van Ryder games, actually I came up with when I started doing those earlier designs uh, and, and the name is derived from the the middle names of my, my first two sons, uh, my third son, Leo wasn't yet around at that point. Um, but my oldest son's middle name is Vance and my second son's middle name is Ryder. So my wife had that idea. So, so I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Let's go with that. So that's why the, the, instead of an I and Ryder, it's a Y, because mm-hmm. that's how his middle name spelled. So, uh, so that's how that came about. And, and, uh, but yeah, to your point, I mean, really the company, when it got off its feet and became, you know, I guess sort of something real and, and okay, this is, you know, a legit sort of thing for Van Ryder was, was with a successful Kickstarter of if I'm going down.
0: But you had already created it and working with it from your previous attempts at using like game design and and using the game crafter. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, So then, Focusing in on, on just a second here. I mean, if, if I'm going down, you, you're running that Kickstarter, uh, and, and you're looking for, for funds for a game that you designed at that point, were you already thinking that you would sign or take submissions and publish other people's games? Or were you just looking at, you know, I have Van Ryder games for my own games at that point?
1: I had put it out there that I would, you know, was accepting submissions. But, I mean, let's be honest, at that point, I mean, and even now, I mean, you know, I'm I'm pretty small. And outside of the, the kind of tight-knit design community, maybe not as well-known. Well, certainly not as well-known as, obviously, a lot of the bigger publishers. Uh, but we've grown, and that's, you know, we're getting a lot more attention and a lot more submissions, and things are happening, so that's great. But at that time, I mean, yeah, I put it out there, but, you know, people were not, certainly not knocking down my door to... submit things. And, you know, I I focused mostly on if I'm going down at that time, uh, for sure. And so that was, you know, that was my main goal. I wanted to publish my game. Like I said, you know, in that original story, that's kind of what the spark was for me doing this. And I had a real goal to make that a reality. And when I started that whole thing, I knew nothing about Kickstarter. So when all that sort of came to light for me, it was just really exciting what was happening and and the possibilities. so that's what I went for.
0: Looking at uh, your, your past projects here, I, I, let's, are you willing to do a little, maybe Kickstarter memory lane with me and, and we can kind of pull out some maybe lessons or, or things that have changed along the way.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun. Let's do it.
0: All right. So if I'm going down was back in 2011. Yes. Is that fall, uh,
1: I think September or, uh, It's okay. September and October. Cause I remember wanting to time it around Halloween
0: Okay. And 2011, uh, eh, depending on how, how, how good you are with time, that doesn't seem like a long time ago. But in, you know, I, I can kind of compare Kickstarter years to dog years sometimes.
1: It really does. Yeah. It feels, <laughs> it feels like a long time ago.
0: So when you were running, uh, if I'm going down, it was a drastically different Kickstarter environment at that time and, and what you could and couldn't do on a Kickstarter to be successful, correct?
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there are, I think there are some hard and fast rules, I think, that probably will never go away. But yeah, I mean, there's so, I mean, Kickstarter's changing all the time. I mean, it's the landscape is so much different now than it was back then. So, yes, absolutely, definitely a different, different time where different things were, were working that wouldn't now, uh, et cetera.
0: Yeah. I mean, because back, back in that time frame, I always kind of joke around and, and, I joke around, but it's, there were projects at the time that kind of did this and were successful, but, uh, you could kind of get away with, here's my idea. Here's what I drew up on a napkin. I need you to help me make this a reality. And those were the type of projects that were kind of getting people, gra- people are gravitating towards those projects and trying to really yeah, let's let's help the little guy if you will get their dream done, right? Uh and, and that's not what you do with him I'm going down, but I mean though that was the type of environment at that time. So things like like I don't you didn't really have any like like reviewers or anything on if I'm going down if I remember right.
1: Uh not any prominent ones, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, cuz that was like 2011 time frame was pre where like that was you know like today especially for an a first project because we're talking about your first project and, and kind of getting your name out there for a first project today if you look in people's comment section usually some of the first things are like well are you going to get any reviews are you going to do this right it's kind of a, a yeah. given today
1: it's yeah it's funny because it, when you brought that up that's exactly one of the things I was thinking about too because that's to me I mean that Having reviews and ha- definitely having a very polished rule book are required, essentially. I, honestly, I don't know how any project gets away with not having their rules um, posted, but, you know, you've seen things like partial rules or uh, even, you know, not even written rules, but just kind of examples of gameplay. And that, that to me is kind of, wow, it's crazy. But I mean, I think Zombicide didn't have maybe it did I don't know but
0: not not right away and it was really towards kind of towards the end and they started releasing like images of pages of the rule book yeah you know what I mean <laughs>
1: so I mean you know maybe maybe you don't need it 100 percent <laughs> if you have something flashy you're gonna tr- attract people to it and it's it's the backers that need to be discerning about things like that and, and let's face it a lot of them probably aren't uh, Hey, this looks cool. I'm going to back it. There's different, (laughs) different personality types. And, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm sort of like that. I, I I rushed a a buying decision sometimes. Um, (laughs) and then you have the people on the other end that are, you know, they'll, they'll cover every piece of text in the entire project and every update and all the comments and, and still not feel like A hundred percent, like maybe they should be backing when they press the button, but, (laughs) but, uh, most people fall somewhere in between, but I think it will always be true that a great presentation on Kickstarter. And when I say presentation, I mean, you have some finished art, if not all finished art, you have a professional video and a professional uh, presentation on the page outlining how the game plays and what's going to be included those are always 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 going to be the key ingredients to a successful Kickstarter.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of it's gotten to that point too where it's it's hard for somebody to kind of come in and spend no money to get money, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how that's happening unless you are an artist, graphic designer and game designer all at once and and a videographer as well. I mean <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Like who who exists at that? I'm sure there's someone, <laughs> but
0: if you have all the hats then you're the luckiest person in the world and you could probably make a mint selling your services.
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean you can it, let's face it, like this isn't a get rich industry by any means. You can you and and people are willing to help. So you can leverage your network and everything you get from other people doesn't necessarily have to be paid out in cash. I mean, there's ways to pay other people back and do favors for other people as well uh in exchange for things. But To your point, yeah, I don't see how you can't at least front some investment. Uh, And really, you should. I mean, if you're serious about your game, you should be willing to put forth, you know, some capital to see it succeed.
0: All right. So I pulled up your projects here just because I wanted to make sure I, I actually know what I'm talking about <laughs> don't want to try to oh, make st- make stuff up. Uh so all right, so if I'm going down you were looking for 6000 you made uh 10640. So 170 some percent funded. And again, we're we're talking about 2011. That was a a, a pretty big deal. That was a pretty uh a nice return on a project uh at that time.
1: Yeah, this was I mean, this was sort of around when you really had some things starting to blow up. Um, like D-Day dice was like, Oh my God. Everyone was like, Oh my God. A hundred thousand dollars. Like it was un, you know, unfathomable at that time.
0: Right. And it was this will never happen again. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. You remember every time a new project came along that broke something, it was like, okay, we've, we've hit our cap. This will never happen again.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I personally didn't think that, but there was definitely that school of thought out there and there was a the school of thought that. Oh, this is just a fad. It's, it'll be gone next yeah. year. You know, Kickstarter is gonna be done. I didn't believe that for a second. Yeah, uh, you,
0: you always heard about the, and, and you still hear the whispers of the bubble even now. Yeah. Now yeah. you know something. Uh, Kickstarter may make some changes, but you're right. It's it's ingrained at this point. It's you know it's it's a foundation. Uh, basically a. Especially in the board game side of things, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's in the lexicon at this point.
1: I mean, honestly, like the board game space of Kickstarter is, it's very interesting. If you look at the stats, I would say the board game following on Kickstarter is the most prominent of all the different categories of Kickstarter. And if you look at the stats, I think like something crazy, like, You know, half of the backers back or more backing board games have backed multiple projects. Whereas like all the other categories, I think are a much smaller percentage than that. The the board game community has embraced it. They really have. Now you, you have, you know, vocal dissension among a lot of people and every Kickstarter game is crap and da 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 and all that. And that's fine. I mean, maybe they had bad experiences and they're certainly entitled to their opinion, but. I don't agree with that at all. And I think that you see a lot of great things coming off of Kickstarter.
0: I've seen a lot of amazing games come off of Kickstarter. And I've seen a lot of amazing games not reach their funding on Kickstarter for various reasons.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So now we jump ahead. Let's see. We're going to 2013. (laughs) is when you did Tessin. This is, like you said earlier, this was a game that you signed. This was Cardboard Edison had designed. And on this one, you're right in line with, you got all the reviews out here and and all that good stuff. So the the, uh, new face of Kickstarter for you at this point for a new project, uh, just two years later, and let's see, you were looking for a little over eight thousand, you got a little over thirteen thousand, so about the same return as as you got about hundred and seventy some percent funded. Uh, which again was uh and, and you're talking about a card game mostly or uh so that that was a a good return. I mean you know, you almost got you know, like I said, a hundred you got hundred and seventy percent funded on that one. How did you feel and how did you go into or what did you approach differently for your second project, especially after kind of a two year hiatus, if you will, sort of not really. Cause you were fulfilling if I'm going down, but
1: you, you yeah, we were, I mean, we fulfilled in 2012 and things were in the work. I was working on hostage negotiator and then Tesla came along. I found that at unpub and signed it. And just with the type of game it is and how polished it was, I decided to. Put that ahead at, of hostage negotiator in terms of publishing queue. And so worked on that. And yeah, I mean, it, it was, yeah, it was only 3000 bucks more than if I'm going down. But if you look at the backer count, I mean, 539 versus yes. 186, you know, this is a smaller box game and it was 15 bucks a piece. Whereas if I'm going down it was 35. So, uh, the backer counts really, I think w- what I look at and, mm-hmm. and it was a much greater success. From a funding standpoint than if I'm going down. Uh, I learned a lot of things from if I'm going down, I learned that what I got was way over my goal and I still didn't have enough to fully produce the game. I had to, I had to fork over some of my own cash, which was perfectly happy to do. Uh, and I think any project creator should be willing to do that if it's necessary. So I, I planned better with Tessin. I have a cost benefit model in Excel that I shared on. A blog I did for a short time, a little bit of time on Board Game Geek. Uh, and anyone can go out there and, and get it. If that's of interest to them, but I do that for all my projects now. And, and I, you know, it has a lot of different variables to look at. So that was one thing I did exclusives in the first project and I decided I'm not going to do any more exclusives going into testing. Um, because I think they absolutely help. In terms of funding, uh, there's, I don't think there's any question about that. But what I didn't like, and it's not to do with, like, I feel like everyone is entitled to everything that comes out for a game. It was that I didn't like having to tell people, no, I, I couldn't give them because I'm, I wasn't going to break my promise to the backers of the original campaign. And I promised them that I would, you know, never allow the, pro, you know, never sell or, or provide in any way the promos for that game. And so, you know, when people ask me, I've, it's, it's kind of sucks to have to have to turn them down. So I decided I'm not doing that anymore, even though maybe from a financial standpoint, you know, it's probably a good thing um, for the success of a, a project. But for me, I felt like I could succeed without that. Um, I try new things. And one of the one of the big things we did with Tessin, which I don't think has ever been done, had ever been done before that, is we actually delivered games to people during the project. So before it had even funded before their money, had even cleared, we were shipping um, some copies of, of Tessin out to different backers. Now, you know that the funding level was a little higher and we put in a, a message. Hey, you're trusting us. So we're willing to put our trust in you. And that went fantastically. I mean, they sold out the first couple of days. So they really helped get that early momentum. It was something we could do because it was a small card game and print on demand quality has grown so much. And, and we were able to to do that. So that was the big thing that we tried different uh in Tessin and worked out really well.
0: So now we come to and uh I, I definitely wanna spend some time on this to Hostage Negotiator, which like we said is on Kickstarter right now and hopefully uh we'll still have a, a day or two left by the time I get this out. It's going until August tenth, two thousand fourteen. How about uh what's your what's your high level pitch for Hostage Negotiator? Oh
1: man, I love this one. I love this game. So <laughs> Hostage negotiator. Well, I mean, it's just like it sounds. Uh, you play the part. It's a solitaire game, pure solitaire, and you play the part of the hostage negotiator. And the game plays out over multiple conversations between you and what we call an abductor, which is, or, you know, which is the hostage taker. And so you're playing conversation cards to carry out this conversation with the abductor. And obviously the ultimate goal is to save the hostages. Uh, but you also have to capture or eliminate the abductor. And so it uses a mechanic I call hand building uh, because it's similar to deck building in that you buy cards from an available area in the middle of the table, similar to what you would find in a Dominion or another deck builder. But the difference is that the cards you buy each turn go directly into your hand for use in the next turn. So there's no deck and there's no randomness of when am I going to get this card? Am I going to get it with other cards that actually make it useful? So I've kind of flipped the, flipped the script on, on that and pulled the randomness out of when you'll get the cards, but there is randomness when you resolve the cards. Now you can, there are factors and things you can do to mitigate that. I mean, you're rolling dice, right? So you're rolling dice to resolve the cards. And you know, as everyone knows, dice can be random. <laughs> but how many dice you get to roll is dictated based on how much, you know, how calm, how, how much have you been able to calm down the hostage taker? Uh If he, if you've been able to successfully calm him or her, you're going to get to roll more dice versus if you piss them off and they're angry, you're going to roll less dice. So, and there's other things you can do as well, but, but yeah, that's kind of how it plays out. Uh And then there's a terror deck between the conversations, you flip a terror card and generally something bad's going to happen the, the maybe the abductor is going to be angry and his threat level will rise or maybe he will be so angry he kills the hostage or maybe a hostage tries an escape attempt i mean different things can happen so it just has a really it's just really awesome it plays quickly it's 15 to 20 minutes uh max i mean some a lot of people claim you know they're getting games in in 10 minutes and i know that's that can be done that's probably about what i I do usually between ten and fifteen. And it's just one of those games when you when you're done playing, you're like, Man, uh, I got so close. I gotta I gotta try that again. <laughs> and you know, I I knew I had something special during the playtesting when, when I was getting this kind of feedback that it was just it was something I didn't quite experience with if I'm going down. It was a different level of of uh, excitement, I guess. I mean people were excited and testers were excited, but it was it just was not quite at the level this one was. So I was I was thrilled through the development process and really felt good about it. And I mean, it's showing, you know, in the Kickstarter it's almost at uh well it's over thirty-five grand and almost nine hundred backers right now, uh with with four four days plus to go. So and honestly, I mean with it being a pure solitaire game, I wasn't even sure, you know, if we'd hit the five thousand which was only going to let me produce at a very basic level. And I was confident we'd hit 10,000, which is sort of what we needed to do, do a a nice production. But now we're really going to be able to do some special things. So I'm really, really excited.
0: Yeah. And that was actually one of the things I was going to kind of ask you about is, you know, it, it it kind of, it seems like, well, you've done some solitaire game design in the past, obviously with, if, if I'm going down, but, you had that one be it was one to two players so did you have any i mean were you nervous about putting up a solitaire game on kickstarter
1: i was i mean it's a it's a niche within a niche and but i wasn't i wasn't fearful i was just a little bit concerned but i've worked really hard to you know integrate myself into the solitaire community and there's such a great solitaire community on BoardGameGeek. The one-player guilds in the top 10 guilds, I mean, with, I think there may be over a 1,000 members um, at this point. There's a solitaire games on your table geek list that sees all kinds of activity. And I made sure that I was uh, involved in that, not just to help the game, but because it's also I'm interested in it. Um, and, you know, my lead play tester is very active there. And just when things would go up about hostage negotiator, people were excited. So I, I had, you know, that level of confidence and I knew that those people would come out and support. And I mean, they said that in, in their comments and the threads and things like that. What I didn't know was, okay, after that, then, you know, what's going to happen is random Joe that comes across the Kickstarter page. You know, going to see, oh, it's a solitaire game, forget it and, and leave. So I've purposefully sort of pitched it and it fits this bill as a a gateway to solitaire because it's simple enough that you can play it quickly and it draws you in. But if it's not your thing, I mean, you've, you've used all of 15, 20 minutes to, to find that out and you can move on. But I'm ecstatic at how it's done. And, and I guess the takeaway there for other Kickstarter hopefuls is know your audience and and become involved with them way before you ever get the Kickstarter and you, maybe your audience is just gamers but if you're not networking and meeting people on Twitter on Facebook on Board Game Geek then you're going to find it very challenging potentially when you try to put your game up there
0: yeah that that's one of those things like I it seems like I have that conversation almost like daily. Uh, and and it's, it's people, you know, people that want me to help out or or people that are looking for consulting services. And, and one of the questions is typically, all right, well, you know, I'm looking, I'm going to launch next week, or I'm going to launch within the next two weeks, or even I'm going to launch next month. And I've, I've got no following. How do I, how do I get following or how do I get people to check this out? You know, that kind of thing. And I'm always like, okay, well, maybe you're not launching next month if you want my advice. <laughs> uh, maybe you need to wait 6 months or so, or at least three to four months and start building that community. And here's a couple of different ways you can do it. But it always amazes me that there are still people that think that Kickstarter is your entire marketing and where you're going to find your community. And that's just simply not the case. It's, it's a, it's a portion. Uh, it can be a small part of your marketing, but it's not the marketing for your project.
1: Yeah. I mean, here's what I'd say. I mean, you yeah, you may be successful. I mean, I'm sure there's people who have done that and they get their project funded, but I can promise you, you can have a lot greater confidence of your potential success if you know that you've connected with your target audience. So I can't see going any other way. Uh, and every time you do that, I mean, you're you're building a fan base and you're building, you know, you're growing your network and you're, you're gaining friends. I mean, I, I've, I love the people in the game community and, you know, there's nothing better than interacting with them and, you know, listening to what they have to say. I mean, the, we probably don't have time for it, but the hostage negotiator box art was changed as a direct result of feedback from, from the community. Um, and, I can say very confidently that I don't think the project would be as successful as it's been if, if we didn't make that change. So, yeah, I mean, there's no excuse. I know it can be, it can be scary sometimes and daunting to put yourself out there, but trust me when I say that people in this industry and gamers want to help. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's also, you had mentioned like, you know, you, you can be successful. You can, you can, You can be that that fire, that flash in the pan or whatever you want to call it and and be successful. But there's a difference between having your successful Kickstarter and and getting, you know, just squeaking into what you asked for and say having hostage negotiator that was looking for $5,000 and is now over $35,000. I mean, there's a big difference between just getting the $5,000 and being involved and active and growing your community to a point where, you know, almost 900 people at this point have come out and said, Hey, we want to, we want to back what you're doing, AJ. Oh yeah, (laughs) definitely. All right. So, uh, one of the other questions I like to ask, uh, since like, I get, like I said, hopefully I'm going to definitely try to get this out with a day or two left in the project. So, uh, one of the questions I like to ask Somebody is has either listened to this, has paused, or has come across hostage negotiator on their own. They're checking out, and they're going, yeah, I think this game might be for me, but I'm not sure. Do you have like one or two things that you would tell them to make them go, you know what, AJ, you're absolutely right. I have to back hostage negotiator right now.
1: So I'd say two things. One, there's a print and play preview on the, on the page, and it's not a hundred thousand cards to the print. I think it's maybe four pages. Go try it. I have no problem with that. It's $5 pledge. If you don't like it, cancel your $5 pledge. You know, there's been people doing that. There's been a lot of people doing $5 and then changing it to, you know, 20 or 35 for the game and all the abductor packs. I, I really feel confidently if you try it, you're going to really like it. But two, I mean, if, if you know, a lot of things, print and play is not people's things, but You know, there's videos on there. There's everything you need on there to make an informed decision. And on top of that, there's a money back guarantee. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else I can say to, to sort of sell someone on it. It's $20 for the base game. It's not a lot of money out of your pocket and there's a money back guarantee. So people have responded, you know, solitaire is not, not your thing. Then maybe it's not your thing, but I you know, I, I say right there at the top of the page, if you're ever going to try one solitaire game, make it this one. Because I really think, and I, I've seen people change their tune on how they feel about solitaire gaming after they played it.
0: Yeah. And th- this is a project that I've kind of come back and forth to. And I, even today I went back out and was looking it over and, and watched the video again and stuff. And it truly is just a really nice looking game. And one that, it has a great theme behind it and a, a great use of a great theme to go with a solitaire style game. It it really is uh, impressive to me. I, it's something that, like I said, I keep kind of going back to and going, man, this, this looks just beautiful. And, and I, I'm glad to see it doing as well as it is. So I, obviously you've got a winner on your hands, AJ, the, the people are voting uh, with their money at the moment. And uh, so I I think that's awesome. I'm glad to see this doing it. And I think I even told you that on Twitter. I'm I'm glad to see this doing as well as it is.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for those kind words. I mean, there's been that sentiment from so many people. And honestly, you know, it's very humbling and I'm just thrilled with it. And and I'm so excited for this game to be out there, to get out there and, and people to start being able to play it.
0: So, uh, let, let me go ahead and do this piece here. Uh, everybody, again, I, you should be able to hear this with at least a day or two left. So, Hostage Negotiator is on Kickstarter right now, but barely. So go check it out. It is, uh, going to end on August 10th, 2014. AJ was looking for $5,000. He's currently up over $35,000. So, uh, the game is going to get made. There's plenty of stretch goals and everything that's been unlocked. Go check it out. And like AJ said, if you've even been on the fence about a solitaire game before, Definitely go check this one out. This may be the one that can kind of convince you that solitaire games are fun. Uh, not only fun, but beautiful and, and, uh, worth checking out. So, as always, I will have links in the show notes. Uh, to go to the Kickstarter, to go to, uh, AJ's, uh, company, Van Ryder Games. Uh, so you can always go check out the show notes and click over from there. Otherwise, again, on Kickstarter, hostage negotiator. And definitely, like I said, check it out. And I think it's definitely something worth backing. And so do a lot of other people because they are doing it. Well, AJ, thank you for finally sitting down and having a conversation with me. I'm glad we got to be able to do this.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> And if I could, I just want to add, you know, there's there may be some people that hear uh, the podcast after the project is over. Yes, uh, there will be if not right away, maybe not right away, but there will be the opportunity to pre-order, uh, And then, of course, it'll be able, available once it launches. So if you do miss
0: it, uh,
1: don't worry. There's going to be other opportunities or even reach out to me and we could probably work something out.
0: All right. Is there anything else you want to make sure we cover or touch on before we take off? How do you recommend people get a hold of you or follow you? Just go over to Van Vanrider Games and click over, or do you want to share your, your, uh, social media stuff?
1: Yeah, we have, uh, we have a mailing list you can sign up for on at com, and that's writer with a Y. Uh, and that's also my tag. Uh, my Twitter handle is at vanridergames, no spaces. And then, we have Facebook, but your best bets, uh, Twitter, I'm very active there. Uh, and then I'm also van Ryder games on, on board So yeah, you can find me at any of those. Only other thing I would say is thank you so much, Jeff, for the opportunity to come on and talk about our games and everyone look out for salvation road. That'll be our next, uh, our next game. Yes.
0: And I'm looking forward to seeing what goes on with that as well. So, uh, Uh, that'll that'll definitely be on my radar when it comes around all right everybody thank you once again for hanging out and listening to another uh interview for the game of crowdfunding i will have more coming up here soon uh unfortunately we will not have draft picks here in august uh i had some issues earlier that sarah and i couldn't record and then sarah's got something going on at the end of the month to miss our second recording date so uh, Sorry for people that are playing along or wondering what projects we're going to pick now. I know Sarah's been tweeting out the projects she would have picked. So uh we will be back next month with those. And I will be back very soon with more interviews. So... Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to GeekCastNetwork.com, where you will find podcasts such as Two Bald Geeks, a podcast by two bald horror movie fans that dissect one horror movie a month, saving the spoilers for last. The GeekCast Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at GeekCastNetwork.com.